from the saddle. Produced by Caitlin Hewitt and Joseph Maloney. Owned and operated by Hewitt Consulting and Communications. All rights reserved. From the Saddle is brought to you by Hewitt Consulting and Communications. Specialising in rural business and marketing design, find them on Facebook and Instagram. From the Saddle. I just need to take five and just go away and recover. <laughs> Not even high pressure, I don't know the word to describe it. <laughs> From the Saddle. Today, I'm talking to the fellow who was the instigator of the entertainment show Rooftop Express. And for anyone who's been to a local show throughout, certainly the eastern seaboard of uh, Queensland, will have seen Dave and his team. Afternoon, how are you? G'day, Kay. Thank you very much for having me. No problem at all. I guess, um, you know, like I said, lots of us have seen the show and, I, and I've seen you a couple of times at, at the shows on the Central Highlands circuit in Queensland. Ah, uh, so you're the one. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah. it's an amazing thing to watch and um, and and to see and, and um, it certainly captivates a crowd. Um, how did you get into it and why did you get into it? Tell us the story. Um, hey, look, Kay, thank you very much for having me on. Privileged to, uh, to be part of the, uh, the podcast. Yeah, the Rooftop Express, it, it's been around for a little while now. We started it in sort of 2010 was when the concept sort of started. I was working at the Australian Outback Spectacular there on the Gold Coast. I did four years there. And I always wanted to, I, I guess, put a production together through what I learnt there. Um, and, and the Rooftop Express or the trailer was the trailer show was how it all began. Um, it's, it very much did not start glamorously. Um, I, I rang up a mate of mine called Errol Thomas, who, uh, who built trailers and, and builds a lot of mining equipment uh, there in Dolby. And I told him about this concept for a show and we had absolutely no idea how to build any of it. Um, but he's always been a good mate of mine. Uh, he's been the president of Raining Australia and has, has been a big supporter of, I guess, um, quarter horses in the performance horse industry across Australia. And I told him about this notion and obviously he told me I was mad, but he <laughs> said he was keen to sort of uh, have a bit of a go at it. And, um, and he started building this trailer. Um, it was a challenge from the start uh, in so far as, you know, to finance this show. I was a horse trainer and the first thing any bank manager will tell you to do when you walk in the bank and tell them you're a horse trainer is to get out. <laughs> so I... I went and got a, a salary job at the University of Queensland as the, um, the barn manager there um, just to try to fund what I was trying to achieve in this show, and we, we built this trailer. But we had all sorts of dramas with it. You know, We didn't even know if we could convince cattle to get on the roof, and then we caved the roof in about three times. We put cattle up. We couldn't get them down. When they came down, they, they kind of slipped off. The first time I put a horse up there, I couldn't get him down. You know, so it, it was not, in the early days, it was, certainly wasn't easy. But I always kind of thought to myself that there, there was something about this that would make people watch. Plus, it was a platform or a stage that was on wheels so we could roll in there and captivate people's attention quickly, you know. I started it with a guy called Troy Thompson, who's a farrier from, um, from Mount Walker in, uh, in Queensland, in southeast Queensland there. And um, he'd had a fair career you know, training stock for, for film and television as well. And we were pretty good mates and we, and we put this together and we always wanted to do it, um, Kay, with, with like a Brahmin cross or, or, or a Longhorn Brahmin cross or just something that everyone knew could be a little bit cantankerous, you know. We didn't want yeah. to put dairy cattle on the roof because we knew that everyone might say, oh, you know, that, that's, that's an easy thing to do. So <laughs> we wanted some tough, sort of bad-looking 
outlaw looking <laughs> cattle that, that, that had horn and, and would stick their, you know, put their tail mm. across their back and run. And, and we wrecked a lot of cattle, making them too quiet, you know, and then um, we ruined some cattle, putting dogs on them too much, you know. So there's a real balancing act between, I guess, having them too quiet and then having them too feely, you know. And, and so I guess there's that bit of stockmanship in finding that bubble on that cow and being able to press them when you need to press them and then release them when you need to release them. And I mean, like, it's it's an amazing thing to even contemplate doing. Did you grow up, you know, did you have 100 potty calves as a kid and go, you can really make them do anything if you get friends with them or? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no. At all, um, I, I wish I wish I had a cooler story, you know. And I, I was a little bit more of a um, maybe a Ned Kelly figure, but I really wasn't. <laughs> I grew up in I, I, I grew up in Brisbane, and uh, I went to a school called Morris College, Ashgrove. Always rode and had friends and family. Uh, had some some lovely friends of ours called the Clearies, where we learned to ride just outside of Warwick at Greymare there. And uh, and I, I learned to ride there on a little pony called Muppet, and they used to call me David Topoloff because I used to fall off all the time. And um, my father was a Frenchman who, who came out here, managed a restaurant called Jojo's in Brisbane City and fell in love with the Australian bush and the sort of the, the, the country charm. Yep. And whenever he could, whenever he could he would, um, he'd meet a lot of bush people, you know, that used to come into town for the Brisbane Ecker at the time and show cattle and be in town for, for there and, and, um, and, and through his job. He was a fairly charming sort of a Frenchman and, and – um, met a lot of different people and then as kids he used to, to take us out to stations and um the Kerr family that you that uh, owned owned Dagworth station there yep. um you know we spent time with them and I spent time with Damien Kerr who's a showman and and a very successful horseman in his own right so I was able to sort of like see a lot of different things I guess so out of there's four of us in my family and two of us my brother's a an equine vet um have sort of followed I guess, uh, our love for animals and horses through the sort of path that, that our father instilled in us, you know. So oh, amazing. That was kind of how that came about. That's even more amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's a bit of an obscure tale there with, with what he wanted, and, and um, but he loved it. He just absolutely loved it and, and um, was always always behind me with this concept insofar as, you know, um, saying that it could be done and he thought it would be, would be something that was worth achieving or worth going after. Um, mm. But consistently I had to remind myself if it was easy, everyone would be doing it because there was a lot of times where there was a fair bit of money invested in it and time. And um, I was just trying to consistently tell myself that when preparation meets opportunity, good things happen. But we certainly, you know, tore our hair out trying to train these cattle in the early days. And, and patience isn't something of mine that as a trainer I'm consistently working on, you know, because I wanted this, I wanted to take this show and and, and um, get it happening as soon as I possibly could. And Troy Thompson was a, was a bloke who's probably a little bit more measured than I am or a little bit more laid back. And um, he was trying to tell me that, you know, to train these cattle, he reckoned it was sort of 12 months to sort of 18 months before they were rock solid and we could take them and put them anywhere and in any paddock, no matter how big or small it was or any arena and, you know what I mean, flick a whip and these cattle were looking to jump on the roof. And and Tomo's not with the show anymore. He kind of got sick of travelling around, but um, he was a great influence on the early days, you know, in that in that first period when we started to train and we started to travel around Australia with these, with these cattle, you know. Mm. So where was your first show? 
The first show, um, we did one at uh, Kuya and we did one at Dolby and we were raw. You know, we didn't even know <laughs> if the cattle were going to get on the roof. Um, yeah, we, we were, we were very, very, very green, but, um, actually I remember this. I thought that we were going to do this show and that it was kind of a big deal and that everyone would just stop and watch, but the universe will humble you and you're never as important as you think you are. <laughs> and I said to, um, to, to actually the a guy called spot Paul Barron, uh, bless him. I said to him, um, the show was on at Kuya and the rides were going and all this sort of thing was happening and the Ferris wheel was there and it was all happening, but a lot of energy, you know, for animals. Mm. And I just said to him in passing, like I remember he walked past me, I was like, Spot, do you reckon we could just shut down Sideshow Alley for a little bit, mate? I'm about to do a show and I don't want to spook my animals. And he he just said to me, Dave, I don't think it works like that. And (laughs) sort of walked off. And um, I learned pretty quickly that as broke as you think they've got to be, or as broke as you've got them at home, they've got to be better. Do you know what I mean? And they've got to be able to accept <laughs> yeah. more pressure and more situations and more circumstance than you ever thought could happen. Um, so I, I and I learned that quickly early days because there were all sorts of situations that I had never planned for or trained for or even thought about that would be thrown up at me, you know, with any of these animals. And that goes for the rooftop show in its infancy and then for the shows that we're doing now with the bigger productions around the place at the Royals and the bigger arena shows, as good as I think I need them, I need them better because there'll always be situations that I couldn't plan for, but I then turn around and ask that of these animals to sort of give themselves to me, you know? So we've got to have them as trained as we can. Yep. So did the, did you pull Dolby off? Did it all work? So we did Kuya and we did Dolby. It did, it did work. We got cattle on the roof. We were pretty thrilled about it. We couldn't believe it, um, that, that it, it would actually work. And that's when I started to, to write the narrative around it. Early days, it was, it was a pretty loose script. Fortunately, I did a journalism degree um, early days, you know, when I left school. And I was able to sort of apply that. My mother was an English teacher and, and used to direct plays and stuff and, and lectured in business communication at QUT. So I was fortunate enough to be able to, uh, I guess, use a bit of that uh, know-how and, and put this script together and, and, and have a narrative, which was important to me too, because I wanted it to stand alone as a show that was it's a comedy show always, but something that was a tribute to the Australian bush or the Australian way of life, you know, yeah. but have some comedy in there and have the larrikin in there and have all those sorts of things that would make people have a bit of a giggle and always uh, walk that line between appropriateness and, and inappropriateness, but, but in a way that was also... Um, had, you know, the heroes of the outback, these animals as the champions of the show, you know, and I, that's a privilege to be able to do that, to be able to travel around Australia and have your horses and your dogs and your cattle and sort of showcase what's possible. Finally, we're always way more nervous doing it in front of a bush crowd, you know, a city crowd, we can impress. They're pretty easy, the townies, do you know what I mean? Like we can get them and, <laughs> and, um, but when you go out into the bush and you're sitting in front of some hard nosed stockmen, cattlemen, you know what I mean, fellas with good dogs, people yep. that have been doing it a long, long time, you know, and they see me and they think, you know, they probably automatically assume for the first 10 minutes of the show that I'm a bit of a wanker, mm. um, <laughs> you know, so I've got, to, I've got to win them over, but at the same time, I do get very nervous. I remember doing the Dolby Stock Horse sale and, um, you know, the guys in my team were like, oh, you seem nervous before I went out. And I was because there's just so many horsemen in that show, you know, and yep. you want to be good for your peers. Yeah. And they're the people that 
that you want to try to, I guess, impress. Yeah, no, I must say, I never didn't think you were a wanker, but when <laughs> I saw you at the Springshaw show, I remember saying to my girlfriend, this could go really bad here, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, bloody, it'll be amazing if he can get that beast to do that. And, you know, she... Likewise, she'd grown up in the bush all her life too, and she said, yeah, it's, it's, it could go awfully long, and I don't know if you remember Springshaw, but they have a work camp there where they have, you know, people who are um, at the Her Majesty's service, and they're on a work release camp, and there was a lot of them in the arena, and I thought, oh, God, if this doesn't work, this is going to be really bad. Anyway, it was a spectacular show, I'd have to say. Uh, thank you. I enjoyed Springshaw. You know, good community, uh, great showgrounds up there, and I remember it well. Some of those little bush shows like that with a good crowd or a gregarious crowd like that are some of the better ones, you know, where it's a tough crowd. You know you've got a couple of minutes to kind of hook them in the first little bit, you know, yeah. and um, and the pressure's on, but it's a good pressure because you want to show up and deliver. That's what you're trained for. One of the coolest bits in the show is when you've got that, that, that person that's sitting there and they just haven't cracked a smile and you think, am I going to get them? Am I going to, am I going to get them? And then all of a sudden, you know, they, they have a bit of a giggle or they elbow their mate or <laughs> you can quieten the bar down. You know, yep. if you can stop people drinking beer, big points. <laughs> yep. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's hard to do. You've Don't worry. It. I've had plenty of people. I've had plenty of people turn around and stop watching the show and drink their beer, and I'm like, oh, well, good on you. <laughs> but but yeah. at the same time, if you can if you can stop them drinking beer um, to watch, you know, or stop them talking to their mate, they're the sort of things that I'm looking to achieve when I look into a crowd or look yeah. to interact with the crowd. I'm, I'm, I'm looking to do that. It doesn't always work, you know. The people have yelled out, we're not here to see you, mate. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's all, sorts of, all sorts of things like that, that that will humble you, but it's but it's kind of cool too that, that that's the Aussie way a little bit, you know. Yeah, yeah, no. So how far do you do you take your, your, your team? You know, have you been right around the country? Do you just focus? Yeah, Look, Kim, look, I'll do a birthday party, a bar mitzvah, a christening if they'll pay me. Like, I'll show up. I don't mind. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but, no, we, like, we've travelled. We've been for, we've travelled all the way up to Mariba and done Mariba Rodeo there up to Mossman. We did the Royal at um, the Hobart Royal, the Royal Hobart Show down there um, yep. and, and sort of everywhere in between. Uh, we haven't been across the WA yet, but it's sort of something that I'd love to do. Mm. Um, and then the version of the show, I guess what's happening a lot is, is the version of the show changes. So we're consistently trying to train new stuff and new content. So perhaps what you saw at Springshaw, uh, would be an older version of the show. And then we're consistently trying to train more and more. Um, and then interestingly, the shows now that we're doing at say the Brisbane Royal, we haven't done a trailer show there since sort of 2017. So we're doing productions, but they no longer have the trailer and the cattle in it. We, we might be doing a, a bigger show where it's got sort of 90 animals in it and a cast of sort of 12 to 15, um, but we don't include that stunt. We might train other stunts for the for the show, you know? Yeah. And, and we've been lucky or fortunate enough to do that because I've been able to say to people, whenever we show up, we'll try to show up with a quality of content. And I guess that's the most important thing. We're always going to have themes of, of Australia, the bush, horses, cattle, dogs, you know, that... Um, that sort of a narrative, but we're just consistently looking to, to change it and add and put new content in and just hopefully stuff that's going to put a lump in people's throat at some point in the show, make the hairs on the back of their neck stand up, you know. Um, that's, that, that's the sort of stuff, or that's my job when I'm writing these shows is to kind of just make people 
one, excited to be part of the bush. And if they don't know anything about the bush, to want to be a part of it or just be proud of, of you know, where we've come from and the, and the, the role that these animals have had. And so I guess writing, writing the, the script, it must be an enormous amount of work has to go into that side of it to be there, then be able to pull together, like, I guess, the hardware of it, you know, be it a, a horse, a, a, a cow, a dog, a duck, whatever it is that you're using. How much time behind the scenes is spent doing that? Yeah, lots. And it's one of those things where once we roll, you might hear, one of my favourite things is hearing something that someone would say in a pub or, you know, at a cafe or a roadhouse or whatever, like a, a, a funny line or a super Australian thing to say, and then including that, you know, in the show or including a bit of a story or, you know, you use something as a bit of motivation or inspiration for that sort of thing. That's always, always fun. I mean, I remember when we performed for Princess Anne when she came out here a few years ago and she's a horse lady, yeah. you know, and, uh, and she, it was good. She appreciated it. And we were a little nervous about it because we were probably a little bit, you know, like some of the guys that are in this show by nature as well uh, are larrikins, you know, and, um, <laughs> you know, we, 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 were, we were smartened up before we went out there. But um, I remember the comedy guy at the time, a guy called Sean Mackay, said um, to her that the Queen wouldn't have him because he ran over one of her corgis. And that was the only reason why he wasn't, wasn't allowed um, to be part of the, the, the Queen's entourage. And Princess Anne thought he was serious and sort of was, you could see her really puzzled by the mm. fact that how this, you know. Got that um, close to a corgi. <laughs> yeah, got that close to a corgi, let alone the Queen. Um, but <laughs> it was, it was a, it was a, so what do you do? But I knew he was going to have a bit of fun. That fella. He, um, yeah. By 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 name and nature, he he um he was there for a good time. Yeah, so you know, when you put together that team, and you said, you know, you can have up to fifteen. Um, do you put out an advert for a, a fellow who was a ringer and now thinks he'd like to be an entertainer, or an entertainer who you can teach to be a ringer, or is it look at someone who's been denied or and learned how to act? We you know what are your cast made up of? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah it's a, that's a great question. It's a tough one because generally you go and get an actor. Uh, they take themselves very seriously and they, they're difficult to work with around the stock because there's so much feel, you know what I mean? Because, we're, you know, we've got, we've got bison in the show now, we've got bucking horses or we've got loose horses or bulls or ducks or whatever it is and, and um, some of those roles are pretty physical or all of the roles are pretty physical. So... That bit's a little bit of a challenge, but then also at the same time, we did put an ad in the country life when we were chasing a comedy character, and um, we, as I knew would happen, we were inundated with people, but mostly the things were saying that, you know, I'm pretty funny once I've had about seven or eight stubbies, which <laughs> what people would say. Because you'd talk to them or you'd go and have a bit of a yarn with them and you'd try to run a bit of dialogue and you'd be like, oh, mate, you're as dry as a chip. Like, are you going to loosen up a little bit? And um, and they'd be like, "Oh no, I, I generally, <laughs> I generally have a few stubbies before I can, I can really loosen up." My mates tell me I'm really funny. And I'm like, "Well, no doubt, <laughs> but it's going to make it, it's going to make it difficult." Um, you know what I mean? If we've got to do a show at twelve o'clock, a matinee show for some kids somewhere, and you need about eight or nine stubbies to you know, <laughs> start feeling funny, and you're often only funny to yourself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But now I kind of just keep. I just, I'm just looking for talent all the time. I might see someone somewhere that is particularly good with a horse or I'll see a horse act or I'll, or I'll just 
see a little a little piece somewhere, um, you know, or I'll hear a singer. We're putting more singers in the show now as well when we when I think it fits, or I'll meet someone like a guy called Matt Jones that we brought on to do a show at the Echo called the Wild Colonial Wagon Chase. He was he runs some Cobb and Co stuff down there in, in uh, Victoria and has been very very good. And I just noticed him. I was at um, Ballarat and. I just noticed him, he was doing carriage tours there, just kind of keeping to himself. But the way he dealt with his horses and the way they were presented and just the the, uh, the sort of relationship I could see he had with his horses, I just made a note of it. And I always wanted to do this this wild colonial wagon chase show where I galloped up on my grey stallion and jumped across onto the lead uh, horses of the Coven Co. But obviously to do that, you know, and this is at a fair pace. <laughs> I don't. I don't know that that had been done before in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely not in this country. Um, with the Roman riding the, the carriage horses, and I, I'd always wanted to do it, but I obviously needed the right guy with the right equipment, with the right. You know, that was a that was cowboy enough, but also valued safety. You know, mm-hmm. and um, and I, I just noticed him, and and I went to him. You know, a couple of months later, and. And, and told him this idea, and, and um, lo and behold, we, we were able to pull it off at the Brisbane Ecker in, in um, I think, 20, was it 2018 I did that one? Um, mm. and, and we did it live on Sunrise as well with Sam Mack, and it was, um, there was a fair bit of pressure on that because if it went wrong, you know, the ramifications of, of me falling down and then getting run over by not only the heavy horses but the carriage were pretty serious. Yes. So a lot of, lot of trust in, in him, but I just – you know, as a horseman, you get a feeling about people or you can just tell how someone is at their job very, very quickly. Mm. Um, so I'm also, I'm always looking around for, for talent, I guess, you know, whether it be similarly with, with the Echo, the show we did um, just gone in, in 20, 2019, we were there. I, I've always, I thought it'd be cool to have some Indian runner ducks, nothing new, everyone works dogs on ducks, but I thought it'd be cool to put them through the front door of a homestead um, and I knew some some guys that um, had worked at the Apex Spectacular and were very, very good with their dogs but could present well and understood um, what I was trying to achieve there. And I went and got those guys. And, um, and again, they, they have a great demeanor with their animals and, and, uh, and um, they were able to, to bring their dogs to the, to the Ecker and, and they, did a, they did a fantastic job for me, you know. So always on the lookout for talent and new pieces of talent, I guess. So... Do you participate in every in every act, or have you now got it to the stage where you have got a team and and you sort of just stand back and direct, or are you an active participant with every show? Yeah, I'm still in in every show. You know, only by default. Because <laughs> I've sort of I've sort of got to got to be there, but definitely there's scenes in some of the shows that I'm not in. Do you know what I mean? Yep. Which is fortunate, but but I'm yeah definitely involved. I mean, I'd love, you know, just depending on how my body holds up, you know, I'm okay to keep doing what I'm doing now. But generally, when I get a little bit older, I still won't be able to do physically what I'm doing now. So I will probably step back and put a younger buck in there to do the sort of stuff. Um, uh, you know, I'm working on a on a concept now for Brisbane. This is a show called Ride the Sky. That I, I won't say too much about because I'll get cranky with me. But basically, we're going to try to fly we're going to gallop into the arena and fly off a horse into the sky with a backpack full of pyro, you know? So 
um, it, it into the sky. And, and Have you got someone trained to, um, for that? Well, that, well, that's the thing. That'll be me. Um, <laughs> I, 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 only because otherwise I'm going to shoot him quick and bury him deep. You know, yeah. so it's got, it's, it's got to be it's got to be me to um, to get that over the line. I think. And then I guess too, if I'm going to be taking these risks that we take or these calculated risks, I'm really just fundamentally relying on the horses that I have or I've trained, you know, or the horses that I know I can rely on. You know, there's a couple of horses in my team that literally put bread and milk on the table for for my family, for everyone, you know. And it's it is pretty cool to be able to say that those horses have done that for me, and they and and they do. You know, I say that to all my staff. You know, there's a couple of horses there, Rooftop Rocky and Mister Bombastic, that have you know bread and milk and pay the mortgage and buy the cattle rail and the yeah. trucks and all that sort of thing and, and they've been pretty important to me and I, I hold them in high regard and that goes for all the animals like I don't want to sound like you know a, a softie or anything but the cattle that have retired from the show will it takes a fair bit to get into my inner circle as an animal but once you're in there you're there for you're there for life so we'll always just to say thanks to them look after them you, you know what I mean as best we can yeah and and we treat them like kings because we have to, because we rely on them so much. So in relation to the horses and, and you know, particularly horses and cattle, because, you know, they're, A, they're bigger than, than the average animal and, you know, they very much have a mind of their own and it doesn't really matter how strong or how big or how much you think you can dictate to them. In the end, they sort of really do what they like, you know, so you've got the two that now that you're just talking about that are your bread and butter. Have you got another two coming along behind? I mean, that must be a constant to have that so that, you know, should the unlikely event of, some, you know, one get bitten by a snake or a horse have a heart attack, all of which they then can do, your your mm. show keeps going on. I mean, that must take an enormous amount of time and effort. Yeah, and, and good question. I, to be fair, as crazy as this sounds, I don't actually have a replacement for Rooftop Rocky. He's the only horse... I ride him on the roof without a bridle, and he's been with me since the start. He came from Cloncurry when I was riding two-year-olds up there, and, he, and he's been with me since the start, and he makes me feel as old as the hills because he's about 16 now. <laughs> um, you know, and I paid $3,000 for him, which at the time felt like 30000 and I didn't get paid because I just paid him off with my wages, you know? Yep. And yeah, yeah. Um, so I've got some horses that could possibly step into his shoes, but I don't have his, you know, exact replacement because every time I've tried to train one, I've, well, they've kind of just fallen a little bit short, you know. Mm-hmm. But I am learning that as the show evolves, I, I am chasing horses that are a little bit more specialists now rather than that utility player. You know, yeah. we've still got that horse that that anyone can ride or, you know, we, we brought in for a production we did. We brought in um, uh, an Indigenous stockman uh, called Peter Jupiter and, and we brought him down from Doomagy and, and he came in and, and uh, we were able to give him, you know, one of our utility horses, an Australian stock horse we call Eddie, and uh, and he thought it was brilliant. Um, so we've got those utility horses, but generally as the show kind of evolves and we're trying to add more and more high-end stuff, um, we generally rely on on a specialist horse for that, whether it be a specialist Liberty horse or a big stop and reining horse or a horse that, that uh, was a cow horse. Most of the horses in the show have won money in the performance horse arena before they came into the show. Um, Or we keep them and let them try to win money. Like we've got a stud horse at the moment that called going to be a good night that won the rain and paturity in, in 2019. And he'll come into the show once he's won enough money or, you know, once he's, finished his career as a 
as a performance horse, then he, then he'll come into the show um, and be an entertainment horse a little bit later on in his career. The cattle, to me, take it to another whole level. You can train a horse within reason to nearly get it to do what you want. Yes, it does still have a mind of its own, and if it chooses to to pig read or buck, it it will, and it doesn't matter how much you've ridden it. But cattle are a complete different kettle of fish, you know. You, how much time and effort, and, you know, do you have a, a mob of four or five or six or seven or two of that of head that you include in a show? Well, I guess early days we were looking to just train anything. Now I'm a lot more selective about the time you invest into what you're training, and that's just because you you can refine and refine. Yeah. So now to train something to jump on the roof, I'm down to about 12 months, you know, and it's not because I'm particularly talented at all. It's just that I was committed enough, I guess, probably sillily to go <laughs> out there and put them on their platform four times a day. Do you know what I mean? Or or finish finish with them having a period of grace, you know. Mm. So, um, like anything, one of the, any of these big jobs, you just try to break them down into the little training parts that are going to build to it. And yeah. I guess that's one thing that the outback taught me was, you know, you can have the the vision of the production in your mind's eye, but you've got to be able to step back and step back and step back. And all the fancy stuff generally doesn't happen until the last couple of months. It's just the early days and the building blocks and getting that animal's confidence and getting that animal's willingness to do something, um, which isn't the sexy stuff. You know what I mean? It's kind of the boring stuff that you've got to go out every day and no one's around and it's kind of hot and, yep. you know, all that sort of thing, all of, all the stuff that no one really knows about or wants to know about to achieve what you want to achieve with, with that animal. And that, that's, that goes for the cattle or the horses or the liberty horses or the bison or the ducks or the Watusi bull or the donkeys or whatever it is that, that we're doing, you know, it, it all starts pretty boring. But then I guess once you you have the vision, and I'm probably now in the privileged position where if I think about a concept within reason, I can go and try to create it or have a, have a red-hot go at trying to create it, you know? Um, whereas I think a lot of people have got very, very cool ideas, but it's a big jump between having a concept or an idea and then going about putting the building blocks in place to, to train that idea, you know? Yeah. And um, we'll see. We've got bison now, that um, a big bison bull and a heifer that are going on the roof, touch wood, they're going very well and they look quite monumental. You know, that bison mm. bull is, is, is a huge animal, super intimidating. I can't wait to let him out in an arena and see the first six rows just get up and step back, you know, yeah, because yeah. he's a... He, he, he's a bad-looking dude, and he's going to look really, really cool. And I'm, I'm working on trying to put him on the roof without a bridle on a horse, so I can, you know, teach him to figure of eight, you know, on one of the mm. horses and and do that bridle at a fair at a fair pace, and then sort of just sit back and and let him find his spot and jump onto the trailer. So that's something that we're working on now. But again, I didn't know a lot about bison when, when I started training this guy and. You know, he's probably been two years in the making. So you can't, it, it is a long process to train these animals. Um, you know, it, it certainly doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen quickly. But I, I guess knowing that I've got a product is, is certainly, it's a lot easier to train them now than it was in the early days when we didn't even know if we could get them on the roof or once they got on the roof, we could get them down or if they did get on the roof, whether or not it was going to cave in or not. <laughs> so I guess now it's, it's a, there's a little bit more in it straight away because we know we've got a product and we know that people are enjoying it. So we can, 
you know, on the days you don't feel like training, it's, you can sort of be motivated enough to go out and get amongst it. You must be a good bloke to work for because you're obviously very, very patient. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, oh, no, there's, yeah, there, there's days, don't worry. I, don't, I certainly wouldn't. Um, I don't think they're going to write on my gravestone. Here lies Dave Manchon. He had the patience of Lazarus. I don't. I don't think at all that is um, that is that is going to happen. Um, but um, I, I do get excited by new content. Yeah. You know, so that kind of motivates me. And you know, like I say, I'm always looking for that new content or that new animal or that new horse or just something that um, you know, a little funny moment we can put in here or. Just, just all that sort of stuff. That's what that's what gets me excited about productions. I guess the elephant in the room is is twenty twenty. It would have been a year from hell for you. You know that you would have hardly travelled or done done much at all last year. So I guess from here on in, we're going to see some exciting stuff happening. Can you tell us what the future looks like and where we need to be to see the next act? Yeah, the last show we did it was in Manila in March. And obviously then we were hamstrung by the COVID deal and, and it was, it's been a humbling year. You know, we certainly don't have a tax problem at the moment. No. Um, we're, um, you don't have any money, do you? No. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, yeah. It's been a humbling year. And I, I went back training horses um, for, for this year, which was cool as well, though, because it made me, uh, I really enjoy that. And I got to ride, you know, I started a lot of um, Cutting fertility horses and raining fertility horses, which what's up, which is what I was doing before rooftop kicked off, and I went full time with it. So I kind of got back into that mode as a horse trainer. But in saying that, I've also had the time to to look towards um, these productions that we're doing now, which is which is called Night of the Horse. The, the future for us is arena shows. Is what I really want to do. We were fortunate enough to do a Night of the Horse at ALEC in Tamworth, their hometown now. Uh, last year in October, and and we sold the show out at around three thousand six hundred people, and got a, I guess a record crowd there at ALEC, which was really cool to be able to to achieve that. I was really thrilled with that result, and, and humbled that people would want to come out and come to see us singular. You know, mm. um, I mean, it wasn't only just us; we had super talent there. We had Brett Parbury, we had Warren Backhouse, we had Grant Quigley, we had Rob Leach, we had Scotty Finlayson. Um, and I guess for me, it's my job to put the talent together and then make that talent feel comfortable and confident on the night to be the best at who they are, you know, be the best at their skill set. Yeah. So to fill arenas is what's on my sort of to-do list, you know, insofar as we're doing another one of these shows in Caboolture coming up on the 27th of February, and we hope to fill that one out. And then I want to go and do arena shows sort of Australia-wide but I'd love to get down into Sydney and, and, and fill a stadium to sort of fifteen or 20,000 people and, and tell them about the bush, you know, tell them about the outback and, and share these animals with them. That's sort of what makes the hair on the back of my neck stand up. Just sort of paint a picture for the listeners. So, you know, we ring and, and speak to you, Dave, and say, will you come to, um, to an ANZ stadium in Sydney to run, run a, a Night of the Horse concert? What does it take, you know, is there you and 20 people and six trucks and it must be a huge logistical shift to even get the show there? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, just depending on what content we've got, you know, sometimes in the shows we, we might have 20 loose horses, so I might have a stock contractor who's responsible for carting. Bronx is generally what we use because they always run together generally. So we'll, we'll have a guy 
um, and Kerry Hall's the guy we've used for that dog previously. Um, he's responsible for, for, for that sort of section. Um, and then we'll have someone who might be responsible for carting our rooftop cattle, uh, you know, that we really look after because they're heavy bullocks and they don't travel so well now because they're so, or they're just so heavy, you know, and they're getting a little bit old. Mm-hmm. So we, we, we cart them with shavings and rubber. If we've got other stock in the show, we cart them a little bit more like you'd cart regular cattle. You know, we, 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 there was a scene in our show where we had 17 ponies that came out, 17 ponies and a goat that I was given in long reach because <laughs> someone's going to give you a goat and call it Thompson. I don't know. They weren't really telling, they weren't really asking. They were telling me that I was getting this goat. And then lo, lo and behold, I actually gave it away in Mara with a bale of hay because it was, that was right in the, de- in the drought. And this thing was just, it was a bit of a pest. Uh, as Tom's as goats are, and um, and I said to this little fellow that took a bit of a shine to Thompson, I said, mate, if you take that goat, tell your old man over there, I'm going to give you this bale of hay, and it was this prime loose and hay it was probably worth about twenty nine bucks plus GST, and, uh, and I don't know what happened to Thompson, but Dad walked over and went, we'll definitely take the hay, mate. And I was like, that's a, that's a job, a job done. Um, but but yeah, lo- lot of logistics and and and. Um, so just depending, you know, we might have four trucks and then a couple of Toyotas with a stock trailer and a float and that sort of thing, you know, with with what we're carting or where we're going. Um, but then we can scale it right back and just do like a basic show or, or a bare bones show where we might only have two trucks and a Toyota on the road, you know, and, and, and a team of five, which would be our kind of base, our basic show. Mm. So when you, you're staffed, are they with you, you know, so today, did you say you need to go off and do this while I'm I'm going to go and do an interview, or I, do they just sort of come in tomorrow afternoon or today to help you pack up and be in Sydney by Saturday morning, or are you you know you've got a full time full time staff of of a quite a number of people? Yeah, and just depending on the job. So we'll have a group, of, a core group of people that are sort of with me all the time, but they're generally. Um, horse people as well because we, we show horses and, and we compete and, and that sort of thing. So they'll be helpers for that as well. Yep. And then when uh, when the show starts up again, obviously we've got you know, the guy that um, plays the comedy character um, or we might have um, some dog guys that we bring in when we have the dogs on ducks or one of the stock contractors that's going to come in to supply the bulls or the loose horses, you know. So the team, the team sort of gets big and gets small and gets big and gets small, you know. But I've got a team of sort of core people that have been with me for a long time and, and they, you know, they, um, they do a really good job for me and they sort of know, know the deal. Or, or, you know, we've got truck licenses for people who have been with me for a little bit and I think they, that you'd trust them to drive a truck from here to Melbourne if you weren't with them, you know. Yeah. So, so there's that sort of thing happening all the time and, and then, um, but we'll go and get, just depending on what trainers we're bringing in for these other big productions, we'll go and try to obviously get them to come along and they'll come along with their own strappers and, and um, that sort of thing. So, yeah, it's, it's consistently changing and, and evolving with, with the staff thing. But, um, yeah, we try, to, we try to be casual about it, as casual as we can be, and, and get good people around us. Uh, only because we obviously there's eyes on us all the time with what we do, so we want to be presented well. Yeah. Uh, and and we want we want people that at the end of the night, you know, even that they're, they're tired or they've had a couple of stubbies, we want them to walk over there and check that those cattle have got water, for example. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like yeah. that's kind of really important to us that 
that these cattle can show up after maybe being in the truck for seven or eight hours and they've got to do a show, so we want them looking full, so we want to make sure that, that, that the round bale's out and, and that they're, they're kind of looked after is, is the main priority. Yep. So, you know, Night of the Horse is obviously a big show that takes, you know, a lot of people and a lot of manpower and, and a lot of resources full stop. Will it be the only thing or are you working on that if they're not, you know, you've got the Theodore show or the Springshaw show or someone who goes, can you just come and do a, a scaled back show? You can have the two separate shows going on the one night or do you think that runs too much of a risk because there's only one of you? Yeah, no, absolutely. We're, we'll, the, the smaller shows are our bread and butter. So mm-hmm. definitely um, I think um, the fortnight of the horse there, a week before we're going um, to do a show, to do a little show before that and then in March um, we're going to be down in the, in the Upper Hunter and then we go up into Queensland and we're going to be doing cans and, and those sorts of shows. So we will definitely come and do shows like you saw at Springshaw, you know, and a lot of the time they're, they're the ones that we really enjoy because we're doing it for a country crowd and they kind of get uh, the, the, stock, the stock side of things really well, you know. So we'll make sure when we do those that, if we're going to buck a horse, we buck an outlaw. You know, if we're going to put the cattle in, we want to make sure we put the bullock in with the big spiry horn bullocks. Do you know what I mean? Or, you know, we're going to make sure that we put, we put a dog in that will block stock or a horse that can run down there and get stopped a little bit uh, and turn around with a cow. We, we'll make sure that we, we, we really do that because we want to put our best foot forward to the bush, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, to answer your question, sorry, we will do the little shows for sure. And, and that, that's when a lot of fun's had as well. <laughs> No place like the bush to have fun. <laughs> yeah, no, de- de- definitely. No, people don't take it too seriously out there, and it's probably a little bit more casual than um, than going in and doing a show uh, in Melbourne CBD. Yeah, like which we've done, which we've done plenty of times as well, and, and it, that comes with its own its own lurks and perks and and that sort of thing. But but we do like going out in the bush for sure. Yep, yep. Is there anything else you'd like to add about the Caboolture show? Yeah. Look, thank you. Just that, you know, that's going to be on the 27th of Feb. Tickets are available now, qsec.com.au. And I guess um, my goal there is to just, I just say I just want to astonish people. And that's just not me personally, but with the calibre of of trainer that I can line up. You know, we've got Mark Buttsworth riding one stylish Pepto, which I'm just super excited about because that's that's just, you know, the power couple of camp drafting. Yep. And, and we're just really, really looking forward to having Butsy there. He's also bringing the Phalaris mare that he just won the Toowoomba Futurity on in 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, Warren Backhouse will be there. He's riding a horse called Shiny and New that he's bringing out of retirement. But, um, you know, that horse has got a reputation as long as you're arming up and down the other side. Just mm-hmm. a, super, a super horse that Warren has trained. Rob Leach will be there and Congressman who won the, uh, won the Warwick Stallion draft. Scotty Finlayson will be there with his Liberty horses. There's a guy called Merrick Eubank who's a world-class show jumper that's going to have a go at jumping the Puissance wall and breaking the Australian record, uh, which is stands at 2 metres 32, and it stood for 39 years. So on the night, he's going to have a go at, at jumping straight up in the air over 2 metres 32, which is very intimidating. Yes. But but he he's a, a rock star in his own right, so we're really looking forward to doing that so it's it's really going to be a showcase and I, I just consistently try to my goal is to just have world-class you know equine entertainment education and excellence and that's what we're trying to achieve and it's a, it's a lot of work but the, the talent that's available in this country is very strong 
Um, so it, it is cool to be able to showcase that. I mean, I will go outside. Like I brought an American trick roper over called Anthony Lucia, who was very, very good. And we brought him over in 2016 and, and he was brilliant. Um, and he came from a, a family of entertainers. His father had a show in America um, and he had a monkey called Whiplash that used to ride aboard a collie and used to herd some goats around in the arena, you know, and the monkey mm. would sit in the saddle and ride the dog and it looked like he was riding a cutting horse. <laughs> and anyway, long story short, I was over there um, visiting with a mate of mine called Hayden Upton, who's a great horse trainer over there in the States, and um, Hayden was telling me the story about how he went to buy this house, this property there in, in Weatherford, and when he showed up, he went into the lounge room and there was a monkey in a cage watching a DVD. And that, that was Whiplash, the, the monkey that was quite famous. <laughs> anyway, long story short, and a set of welding gloves on the cage, by the way. The monkey, monkey was a bit, was a touchy monkey. And um, anyway, <laughs> Hayden said, oh, we'll, we'll get um, Anthony Lucia over. We'll get a few whiskeys into him. And we'll, I want to ask him about how to train this monkey to, um, to sit on this border collie, you know. And anyway, we got Anthony over and got the whiskeys into him. And, but he was pretty smart because we had about, we had a few whiskeys anyway. We start telling a few lies and tying up a few bulls all over the table. And uh, he, he he's there and he's like, y'all just want to know about the monkey, don't you? Anyway, we're like, yeah, busted custard, buddy. We want to know about the monkey. And then he's like, oh, he was tied on. And so we're like, oh, okay, sir. The old monkey was probably holding code with the dog. But um, anyway, but but we I got along with Anthony really well and I brought him out here. And um, I do. I like surrounding myself with people who are better than me, you know. And he's a great communicator and very, very good on the microphone and, and can hold a crowd and, and tell a story and, and a yarn. And, and so communicators like that, I like to surround myself with. And, you know, I'd go back to the States and go, go over there and look at the shows that are happening in Vegas and, and try to stay on the cold face of, you know, what was about and what was getting done throughout the world, I guess. Yep. Um, but then also, talking about just surrounding myself with good people, why I like Night of the Horse myself is because these guys, you know, the Warrens and the Butsies and the Robs are, are guys that I look up to now in my career. So it's really cool to be able to bring those guys on and, and be shoulder to shoulder with them and watch how they train and just let them appreciate them for what, you know, for, for what they're good at, for their skill set. Yeah. And um, it's a really cool thing to be able to do and, and I, I just want to keep, keep being able to do that and bringing that to the table, you know, so people can see it. Mm. It'll be a great show. There certainly is some talent there amongst that uh, that thing. Um, have you got anything else you'd like to add in general, Dave? Oh, just that it, it's if you see us around at a show or, or you see the animals around, please don't be afraid to come up just to any of your listeners to come up and say good day or grab a photo with one of the animals or, or, or ask a ask a question. You know, we welcome that sort of thing. It is a privilege to be able to travel around and do this, you know, some people restump houses for a living. So to put it into perspective, it, it is a privilege to be able to, to to do this. So if you're around or you see us around or you want to come and meet the horses or the animals or ask a question, if you see us around or you see us at a fuel station or wherever we are, come and say day, and, and we, we welcome the correspondence. On behalf of uh, Rural Australia, we'd like to thank you for taking our little bit to the city folk and for those of us that live in the bush, thanks for coming to entertain us. Not many people want to come our way and it's great to have someone who comes willingly to do so. So we wish you many more happy trips and shows and, and look forward to catching up with you somewhere. Safe travels and take care. 
You bet. Thanks very much for having us, guys. And I really um, appreciate um, the segment that you're putting together. And um, I look forward to seeing you guys down the road as well. All right. From the Saddle is brought to you by Hewitt Consulting and Communications. Specializing in rural business and marketing design, find them on Facebook and Instagram.